All right, we're on week three of Rerooted, rerooting back into God's ancient church. Uh, I would venture to say that most of us in this room enjoy the process of getting a gift card, uh, myself included. I love getting gift cards. There's a sweet couple in this church that sends me like a, a gift card every month for me and the girls, and we just, we take it and we have an experience. It's so thoughtful. Uh, we love gift cards for the rigidity. They take all the anxiety out of making a decision, right? We don't, we don't have to worry about using that money for some better reason, more higher causes. Those gift cards guide us exactly where that money is going to be spent and exactly where that money is going to be spent. And if you're like me, maybe you're like me, if I get a gift card, I'm going to use it within two weeks. I'm just going to figure out a way. If I have to travel somewhere to use my gift card, I'll use it. I'll just make those arrangements. Or maybe you're different. Maybe you're like my wife who gets the gift cards that we get and she puts them in a little blue accordion folder alphabetically listing them gift cards by their name. That's my wife. You organize people. You alphabetize everything. I don't get it, right? Not an organized person. So maybe, maybe there are people in the room that do that. I, I know that my wife does that, which leads to a weekly conversation of like, do we have any gift cards? which she says, did you check the binder? To which I say, do you even know what we have in there, right? I just want to know what we have in there. Gift cards are great. Do you know, and I think this is a low percentage, that 40% of you will buy a gift card for your friends and family. I think that's a low percentage. But in that same report that brought me that statistic, it says that there is, in the average American household, over $300 of unused and unredeemed gift cards every year. The report said that between 2005 and 2011, there was $41 billion in unredeemed gift cards. Like if nothing happens today, uh, then you going home and you're going to search through your desk and see if you have any, I think that that might be the, one of the things that happens today. But if you would afford me the luxury, I'd like to ask this deeper question. How many of us have unredeemed, unleveraged, unacknowledged gifts that go unredeemed every year for the purposes of God and for the building up of the body of Christ? That is the question that we want to tackle today. Are we using the gifts that God gives us for the building up of God's church? Last week, we talked about what it means to be great. And we said that greatness is about being a servant of Christ. Not just a servant of Christ, a servant like Christ, who served us to the point of death. It's about coming under Him in His authority, in His love, in His power, in His mercy, in His commands. It's about surrendering to Him. It's about, in humility, looking to the interest of others over ourselves. It's about counting others more significant than ourselves, putting ourselves under people. And we conveyed last week that we are to serve the local church, that we are to be a servant of the local church, that if we can't use our gifts and our talents here, then we've missed the understanding of what the gospel has really done in our own lives. And so today, we, we're going to talk about 
how we do that. Last week, we talked about why serving the local church is important. This week, we're going to talk about how we serve the local church. And we're going to do that by heading into a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to try our best to talk about this idea of spiritual gifts. And we're going to try our best to demystify and define what spiritual gifts are. And we're going to use 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to do that. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. If you have an app on your phone that has your Bible, feel free to turn there, or you can follow on the screen. It's just important that we together get our eyes on Scripture and see what God's Word has to say. All right, so we're going to go slow in this, and we're going to divide it up and for better understanding. And so this is what it says in 12 verses 1 through 3. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some things that I think are important for you to understand about the church that Paul is writing to. This is the church in Corinth, and this church was in bad shape. Paul writes this letter somewhere in the vicinity of 55 AD. It's about 20 plus years after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Paul first visits the city of Corinth some five years previous to his writing this letter, somewhere in the neighborhood of 49 to 50 AD in his second missionary journey around the Mediterranean Sea. He spent 18 months in the city of Corinth building up the church, encouraging the church, and then not some three and a half years later, Paul is writing this letter of reproof and exhortation to the church that has massive problems. Corinth is a city in the modern-day country of Greece. And in this time, there was lots of Greek paganism that was going on. And that paganism was creeping itself into the church. This city was a huge commerce port. A variety of different people would come in, and it would begin to be known for its debauchery. Months ago, we talked about the Corinthians, and we said that the, the word Corinthians began to be slang for somebody who was immoral. You're in a Corinthian, you're immoral. And so there's all sorts of divisions within this church. They're letting cultural ideas and people influence the teachings that Paul and the other apostles had taught to them. They had let sexual immorality and pride and division run rampant in the church. And we know from the very next chapter in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, which you probably read at your weddings, that this church lacked love. They were guilty of not showing biblical love. And so there are all sorts of problems. And we can see that in this chapter, there seemingly is an issue with pagans or non-believers, non-Christians from culture bringing and influencing the idea of spiritual gifts. There seems to be uh, an some regularity in people performing signs and wonders that are not pointing to Christ, but rather pointing to themselves, their desire, and humanity, instead of those gifts upholding and testifying to the name of Christ. 
And so Paul is going to set the record straight here. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. And that word uninformed also translates into ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Let's get on the same page. And so what I believe would be good practice for us today is that we would just pretend that we're ignorant and uninformed when it comes to spiritual gifts. And maybe you're in here and say, great, because I'm already there. I have no idea what we're talking about. Or maybe you're in here today, well, I'm a discerner, and I don't know, I don't like where this sermon's going right now. Wherever you're at, let's just take a step back and look in Scripture and see what God's Word has to tell us about what spiritual gifts are. And so here's our course for today. This is where we're going to set our course. We're going to talk about one distinction between talents and gifts. That is an important discussion. One distinction. We're going to talk about one primary purpose for the use of spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk about one name that all our gifts should always work for and towards. And then lastly, we want to speak towards the idea of one unity and diversity, the body of believers using their gifts together for the glory of God and the encouragement of one another. And so that's our course for today. And so we're going to jump right back into 1 Corinthians 12, back into verse 4, and we'll go all the way through verse 12. Paul is going to list the different types of spiritual gifts. And this is what he says. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues to another, to interpretation of tongues, all these things are empowered by one and the same spirits who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And so Paul kind of lays out this list of gifts, and we want to talk about them, but understand that Holy, the Holy Spirit is what enables the giftings. It's a different manifestation of the Spirit in different people, all for the glory of God. And so there is some confusion on what it means to have talent and what it means to have a gift spiritually. Sometimes we confuse the things that we are genetically gifted with, things that we are training for, as spiritual gifts things that are easy for us, that come natural to us, we think are spiritual gifts. So I think it's important to bring some distinction here. Because talents can be leveraged for other purposes than to build the kingdom and to glorify God. And that's an important distinction. Your talents can bend to serve you. And that's not bad. You can use your talents to improve your lot in life. You can use your talents to make better relationships you can, in your ability to sing, create a better quality of life. You can, by being funny, have easier times in building relationships. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't leverage those talents for your own good. I'm just saying 
They're not spiritual gifts. Your athletic ability is not a spiritual gift. Your singing is not a spiritual gift. Your intellect is not a spiritual gift, although there are versions that are. Now, can God use those things? Yes. Can he give us an increase of those things through the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Absolutely he can. But those are all things that all humanity has given to them as a common grace for all who were created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. All of humanity was created in the image of God. We have the characteristics of God, not in full, but in part. That means this, you don't have to be a Christian to be kind. Like, you don't have to be a Christian to be an athlete. You don't have to be a Christian to stand in front of people and speak. You don't have to be a Christian to be smart. Those are things that were given to all of humanity. But as a believer, at some point in our lives, those talents should begin to bend themselves towards glorifying God and not using them for our own selfish ambition and needs. All right, so talents are innate. Gifts are different. Talents are things that we do for the, both the benefit of us and for the benefit of the church later. Paul writes this in Colossians 3. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So whatever you do, whatever you have, bend it to God. Use it for God. Now, gifts, they're different. They're not genetic. It's not something that you train for. It's not something that you have to be educated about. They're given to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they are in part the list that we just read in 1 Corinthians 12. But there are other lists in like Romans 12 or Ephesians 4. There are multiple lists that have multiple different gifts in each list. So that means this is there are probably more gifts in the Spirit than are listed in the Bible. There's overlap, but there's differentiation between each one of those lists. And so we're just going to kind of list them out today as best we can and go through the ideas and the different gifts. All right? We read that there's a gift of prophecy. Now that gift is that we could declare, if you have the gift of prophecy, you can declare the divine will of God to interpret the purpose of a God to make known any way, in any way or, or fashion the truth of God for the influence of God's people. Then there's the gift of serving, which is also referred to as ministering. That means service of any kind. It's a broad application of practical help for those who are in need. Now, it's important that you understand we are all commanded to serve. Every one of us commanded by Christ to serve. Some of us just have unique giftings in that area. And you certainly know those in your life who are gifted in the area of serving. Then there's the gift of teaching. Not everybody has this gift. It involves the, the proclamation of the Word of God. It's explaining the meaning and the context and the application for the hearer's benefit. A gifted teacher is one who has a unique ability to instruct and communicate knowledge specifically about the doctrines of faith. Then there's the gift of giving. Again, this is an, every one of us is called to give. We're called to be generous. Some of us just have a different gifting in that, that you are abundant in your generosity, that you find it easy just to give away things. Then there's the gift of leadership. This is about shepherding God's people. This is about being able to manage 
and run and help foster flourishing in God's people. Your people and leadership should always display the fruits of the Spirit in their lives. And if you don't, like if I don't, like you call me on that. Like that's okay, you call me on that. Your leaders are to have those qualities in them. Then there's the gift of mercy. This is going with encouragement. Somebody who can come around each other and encourage each other. Again, we're all called to do this. Every one of us. But some have different giftings in this. There's the word of wisdom. This is about somebody being able to read the word of God and then discern environments and situations and give in a moment a word of wisdom to somebody who needs it. It's a mixture of discernment and knowing God's word. And then there's words of knowledge. And these are those really smart, brainy people who can read the word of God and begin to see the mysteries that are deep within the Bible. That they're able to read scripture and pull things out that you thought, I never thought of that. They have a word of knowledge. And then there's faith. Every one of us has a measure of faith. But there are people who are gifted with a faith that is unflappable. I remember when I was like a high school kid, and I just remember praying, Lord, will you give me a faith that is astonishing? Will you give me a faith that is greater than, than anything in the world? And like, I can tell you, he has. God says it's okay to pray for higher gifts. It's okay to pray for those things. There's the gift of healing. We don't see this a whole lot. Maybe you have seen it in people's lives. It's the ability to heal people who are ill, whether that be physically or mentally. They have that sort of gift. Then there's the, the spiritual gift of different kinds of tongues. There are people, and look, there, I get a little nervous. I'm just going to be honest because I've not seen it done well. I believe that it happens. I can get nervous about it. That can speak in utterances that aren't human languages. Some sort of divine language for God. But there has to be somebody who's gifted in discerning or interpreting those tongues for that to be real. That's another spiritual gift. Somebody who can hear those utterances and make sense of it. And then there's the gift of discerning of spirits. They are kind of the watch guard of the church. There's somebody who can identify just by being in the presence whether somebody is an actual believer. Maybe they're a wolf that's masquerading as a believer in the congregation. They also can discern struggles and issues in people's life. They also can discern hidden sin in lives. And the last one that we'll talk about today, and there's certainly probably others, is this helps. And this goes along with encouragement and mercy, but this is kind of uh, uh, any aid or service that's rendered to the building up of the church for the compassion, with compassion and grace, even administratively. God sometimes gifts people administratively, organizationally, for the benefit of the church. Now, you need to know that God does not require you to have all of them. You're not required to have, in, in fact, nobody has all of them. Only the Holy Spirit has all the, the giftings. It doesn't require you to have all, 
but he has imprinted separately on each one of us a gift or gifts. No one has them all, but no one has none. No one has them all, but no one has none. And so spiritual gifting is something that is only possessed by the believer. You have to be a Christ follower, a truster in Christ to have a spiritual gift. If you are, then you have a gift. And those were, gifts were given to you during and after salvation. And they will be used for nothing other than the building up of God's body and the glorifying of His name. If you lived on a deserted island and you were all Christians, what this means is that God is not waiting on talent. He will bestow through the Holy Spirit giftings for the benefit of that church. So if that church needs a teacher, well, guess what, Bill? God's going to give you the power to be a teacher. They're not predicated on your talents. They are given by the Spirit for the building up of the body of believers. And they are all given to us by the Holy Spirit. There are people who claim to be distributors of gifts. And that is folly. No one distributes gifts besides the Holy Spirit. And so if you run into something like that, avoid. Avoid that. And so Paul says that all of these gifts were given by the same Spirit. And that Spirit has one function. In John 15, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about who? About me, Jesus. The Spirit will always testify to Jesus. Any gift should uphold the Lordship of Jesus. Any gift should always, always support what Jesus says. It should never contradict what Jesus says in Scripture. Always. So everything that the Holy Spirit does in bringing us gifts is to bring greater evidence and awareness to the glory of Christ. All the gifts come from, as Paul says, one Spirit, the same Spirit. And it's used for one purpose. One purpose. And it is for the building up of the body of believers. It is for the building up of the church, you and I. It's for the preservation and the flourishing of God's people in a local context amongst each other. And Paul says that we are to use our specific gifts in unison so that God's people thrive, that they are to be used for the common good of all. Paul, as he was writing to the Roman church in Romans 1, he, he writes this to the church leaders. He says, For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul is longing to come to his fellow believers in Rome and give them a spiritual gift for their encouragement and vice versa, that they through their gifts would bring strength to Paul. Now it's important that you know that purpose. To know that purpose, because if anybody in this world wants to convey to you that they have a spiritual gift, and that spirit, that gift, is not about the building up of the body of Christ 
and glorifying Christ, then it's fake. If somebody comes to you and says, God told me, which I would just say, can we be careful with saying God told me? If you have any anxiety in understanding if God told me that, then keep it in. Because listen, God tracked Jonah down to make him reveal what God was saying. He's going to make it abundantly clear to you what you need to do. But if somebody would come to you and say, well, God told me that you need to leave your wife, then you understand that that's a foolish person. And you are to mark and avoid them because they're not working for the glory of God and the benefit of God's church. Gifts that bend towards, or the supposed looking of gifts that bend towards self and self-promotion, self-actualization, claims of gifts to make you give money to a ministry, like avoid those things. God has never and will never work in that capacity. They are for one purpose, the body. Not me, individually, but you and us together. And they are about one name and one name alone. We should always know that any gift that reveals itself should bring good attention to one name and one name alone, and that's Jesus. We said earlier that the Holy Spirit's mission is to testify about Jesus. Our gifts will testify of Jesus. Our gifts of encouragement will bring people to Jesus through Jesus because of Jesus. And so God's aim in giving us gifts and in giving us the faith to exercise them is that he might be known. That this world would come to revere, admire, and thank God as beautiful. To remind them of this is what Paul writes in Romans 11. That from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. That we would admire and marvel at the glory of who Jesus is. That's what spiritual gifts do. And so understand that as our spiritual gift matures, and as our understanding of our gifts mature, then our appreciation for all the members of the body is magnified. Because you learn the things that you're capable of and the things that you're not capable of, and you rejoicingly come together as the body to do more together than you could by yourself. Paul has this beautiful illustration of the human body and he relates it to the working of the community of Christians. It's to know that every cell in the human body is linked to a common root, a DNA code. Your body has multiple different parts that look different, that are treated differently, that work for different purposes, that accomplish different things. And that illustration is what Paul gives us to lead us to understand that there is a great diversity in the body of Christ, both in appearance and in function. Yet every member has a common root, Jesus, and a common goal to the building up of the body of Christ. And so we all in here who are believers in some way have small manifestations of the Holy Spirit that work out as gifts. God forces us to be dependent on each other in doing that. 
we need each other. There's a reason he didn't give us all of them. He wants us to be together. And so the purpose of spiritual gifts is for the building up of the body and for the glorifying of one name. And so it would only make sense, listen, it would only make sense that we would find what our spiritual gift is by actively engaging in the body together. We have become complacent in this world with knowledge of self. I have taken tests multiple times to talk about my personality. I'm an Enneagram 3. I'm some version of an otter and a golden retriever. I'm ENFKQP5 on the Briggs, Stratton, whatever it is. I know what my spiritual gifts are. But we are far less inclined to actually encourage and strengthen each other in faith. We want to know the answer of how I'm gifted spiritually. But we should be more concerned with this question. Am I doing what I can with what I have to strengthen and, and encourage others around me? Am I doing what I can with what I have to strengthen and encourage those of faith around me? Our most basic problem as a Christian is not your knowledge of what your gift is. Our most basic problem is that we don't desire very much to come around people and strengthen them in their faith. Human nature has a tendency to tear things down and not to build things up. The path of least resistance, which we often prefer, is the wide path that leads to grumbling and criticism and gossip, and many will follow it. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, which leads to guiding and strengthening others in faith. So listen, the basic problem for us is not knowing. It's becoming the kind of person that wakes up and says, God, thank you for this great salvation. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, today, would you give me a chance to come around somebody else and strengthen them? Lord, would you give me a chance today, by the end of the day, that because of the way that you worked in my life, that somebody might trust in your promises more, that might, might find more joy in your graces today because I came in contact with them. That is our desire. And the reason that we want to move to being that kind of person and just not having knowledge of our gifts is because if you desire to strengthen one another, if you desire to connect, the Holy Spirit's not going to waste that opportunity. He's not going to waste it. That is where you find your spiritual gift. Coming around people, that is where people begin to say to you, you know what? You really encouraged me. You know what? Man, you, the way that you spoke about that scripture, this has brought a new life about it. It's in rubbing together with the body of believers that we find how God has given us. And so let's apply ourselves to becoming the kind of people that more and more long to strengthen and encourage each other. And look, we can do that. We can do that. 
It just simply implies that we get out of our comfortable zone and start coming around those of faith who have struggles, which is lots of us, and encourage one another and find ways to use the gifts that God has given us. And so people have this notion in their head that using my spiritual gifts means that I will have days and years of life of doing the things that only come natural and easy for me, that take no discipline. But listen, there's no such language in Scripture that compels that idea. If all we did what was, was to do what is natural for us, we have missed the beauty of a gospel that has saved us from doing what is natural to us. We have to move to being more like Jesus by praying to the Spirit that He would change our desires and convict our lives and give us new hope. And so that leads to ending with this question. Are we leveraging God's gifts in our lives? Are we leveraging them? They were given to build each other up, to encourage and strengthen each other. And so that means that the only way that we utilize them and they're not left unredeemed and unused like those gift cards around our house is leaving the comforts of our home, the comforts of our pride, of our own rhythms, and actively engaging in God's body where you're planted. And this is why we talk about being parts of teams and groups here. Like, this is great. But if all we do is sit here all the one another's in scriptures that God compels us to do, encouraging one another, sharing each other's burdens, restoring one another, they will never be accomplished. You will never sense the beauty of God's beautiful body working together, storing, encouraging, hoping for one another. And that's the benefit of coming around teams. It's not about what you do. You're gifted talents it's about being a part of a smaller context of people that you could do life together. And so that's why we're so bent on making our volunteer teams more sustainable. That we could do this together. Do it together. It's in our teams that we actively live out the gospel. And so gospel a gospel understanding of gifts understands that it's only the Holy Spirit that gives us those things. And he will appoint them by his means when he wants them. They're not our talents. They're a holy gift from us. Would you pray with me? Father, it's not easy to submit and lay down uh, my sense of what's right for me my sense of what I like, my opinions, my preferences. Uh, God, that's my prayer for your church, is that we would lay down our own rhythms, our own pride, our own comforts, that we would understand that flourishing on this earth was designed and that we would be together as believers, encouraging and restoring edifying one another. And so, Lord, as this world and its pressure turns up, will you help us to desire something deeper, something stronger, something more impactful 
than just taking. Lord, that we would give our gifts to one another for the thriving of your body and the glory of your name. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.